Welcome to Primer, a podcast that gets you closer to the heart of the matter. As you may know, the Primer is a small cap at the base of ammunition that when struck by a firing pin goes BAM. It ignites the gunpowder and sends the bullet downrange. The point of the podcast is like that, to get you going in the right direction quickly by briefly tackling a variety of subjects like books, people, events, issues, whatever. After listening, if you want to take it further, you can. Episodes and more information can be found at personalprimer.com. Welcome to Primer. Today we're going to talk about a person that is a hero of mine. His name is St. Thomas More. Um, I'm Joe McCormick, your host. And as you know, Primer is a personal podcast that I've started to get you headed in the right direction. Um, I've written a book called Noise, Living and Leading When Nobody Can Focus. And what I want to do with Primer is to get you to live and learn and lead, to accelerate that, to serve as the Primer, to get you going. So if you hadn't listened to the first episode, I highly recommend that because it gives you a little bit of context for why I started it. And I'm going to just give you um, a little insight into me. And today I'm going to talk about St. Thomas More. He's an English Catholic martyr who died for speaking up. And why am I talking about this? You may not even heard of him. He lived, uh, he was born in 1477. He died in 1535. He was beheaded by Henry VIII, the King of England. And he's a personal hero of mine um, for a number of reasons that I'm going to get into just at the time, you know, just kind of why I'm, he's one of the f- first big podcasts I've done. Why am I picking St. Thomas More, a martyr? Um, well, I grew up in the southwest side of Chicago. I'm Catholic. And in Chicago, if you've never been there before, if you ask people back in the day, where are you from? Even if they weren't Catholic, they, many of them would tell you what parish they were from. I'm from St. I'm from St. Dennis. I'm from St. Leo's. I'm from Queen of Martyrs. And they're almost like little towns. So I grew up in a Catholic parish. The neighborhood was geographically one square mile. And... It was right next to another parish, St. Dennis, and then farther west, St. Bede. And then there's just all these smattering of these parishes all around the city. But in the southwest side where I grew up, and I'm a Sox fan, um, people would ask you, where you're from? And the colloquial answer was Tommy Moore. I'm from Tommy Moore. And Tommy Moore is, was the, uh, the slang for St. Thomas Moore. And it was a great parish, awesome parish. So ever from a young age, that was... That was our church. So, you know, needless to say, you'd be introduced to the saint of the parish, the patron. So St. Thomas More was an awesome guy. He was, he's so much my hero that I named one of my sons after him. Uh, Thomas More, my son, his name is Tomas. We call him Tomas, but, but his, his baptized name, his legal name was Thomas More. So why Thomas More? Why is he such a, 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 a hero to me? Well, first of all, he was a martyr, so he he died for his faith, so he put his faith on the line. He was a man of conscience, so he really put his money where his mouth was. Um, but there's a lot of things about this guy that's really notable. Um, he was a father. He had he had four kids. His wife died. Um, he remarried, and he had another. They didn't have another one, but she had she had a child, so they actually technically had five. When I read, he had four kids from his first wife who died unexpectedly. Um, 
he was the son of a lawyer and he was the grandson of a lawyer. They were accomplished people. And he was groomed from young age for greatness. Um, super smart guy, um, well-educated, witty, funny, sarcastic, ironic, um, brilliant guy, writer, classically trained, educated. Um, I read a, just some background that I'll point you to later in the podcast so you can go deeper and see how it's more super interesting guy. Um, I'm quoting from this Thomas More statesman, a brief sketch, and, and the author says that Moore seemed to realize that whatever profession he would choose, he needed the philosopher's understanding of human nature, the historian's appreciation of his country, the theologian's perspective on eternity, and the poet's skill to move the heart. So he was a well-educated, well-rounded, highly educated person, and he was a prolific writer. Um, he was known to be a great friend. He had a capacity to befriend anybody. Um, he was a friend of a guy named Erasmus, who was a Dutch philosopher and scholar. And, uh, and Erasmus was a super close friend with Thomas More. And he described him as a man for all seasons. And there was a movie made about that that came out in 1966 and won an Academy Award Best Picture. 1966. Imagine how things have changed since then. They have a, a, a religious Christian movie that wins Best Picture like that. Um, he wrote a book called Utopia uh, that's connected to uh, Plato's Republic. Um, he was a poet, prolific writer. But for me, what no, most notable was that he was a father and he was a respected professional. So he grew professionally up through the ranks to the highest he, he was a, a lawyer, a judge, a member of parliament, elected member of parliament, and he, um, he grew so high in the rankings that he became Lord Chancellor, which was the highest position in England. So this is, this is a person who, who put his time in and was really, really well-respected professionally. But he also is a person who cared about his family, and he, he, he really cared about he was a man way ahead of his time, way, way ahead of his time. And, and, and some of the things that you can read about him and, and do more research about it, which is, again, the point of this podcast is I'm not going to give you an exhaustive treatise on this person in his life. I'm just going to tell you off the top of my head the things that I know about him and why he's my hero. Um, he, he, uh, he loved his family and his friends, and he had a great capacity for, for everybody. And it was well known around town, around London, that that was what he was like. Um, he reached the highest heights professionally. I mean, this was a person that balanced his work life and his personal life. Um, and really, finally, for me, is he reached this defining moment in his life where he um, had to defend his faith. And he was, he was being pushed and cornered to, I mean, the long story short was Henry VIII um, couldn't have a male heir. And and he wanted to divorce his wife, and the England at that time was was closely connected to Rome and the Pope. Um, this was before the Anglican Church, and Henry VIII, um, who was prior considered the def called the defender of the faith, so he was Catholic and he defended the faith, 
couldn't produce a male heir and wanted to divorce his wife. So um, there was no merit to do that other than the fact that he wanted to do it. So he basically went to Rome and the, and the Pope said no. And Thomas More stood by the Pope because there's no, it was a valid marriage. And Henry VIII said, too bad. Well, I'm going to start my own church. So he, what he did was he, he basically got everybody in line to set him up to be, you know, the head of the new, this, this new church, this Anglican church. And, um, and basically, um, he he forced Thomas More into a corner where he had to swear an oath. Um, and the first, it was Henry's act of succession was the first, and then the oath of supremacy. So he he refused to do this because, in his conscience, he he knew that it was a legitimate mar- marriage. Um, Henry did not have the right to start a new church, the Anglican Church. So he said no, and he, and he held his ground. Well, basically. Um, his career unwound. Um, if you go back to some things about Thomas, which I, when I'm doing a little bit of reading before this podcast, I was absolutely fascinated. There's some things about him that I didn't know that are make him even more remarkable and more of a, a more of a hero to me. If if you look at sort of well, one is just his use of irony. Um, he he was he was reported to have used his predecessor used kind of rough address when talking to the leaders and. Thomas More thought irony, a lighter, more artful approach would be would be better. So he was he was ironic. So it was said that his family, and I thought this is, this is great because I'm like this a lot. His own family often didn't know if he was joking or serious. So he, that was his method. So he's very witty. Um, he was described by some people as the Christian English Cicero, which I thought was fascinating. But then you kind of go through his education, his family life, and his upbringing. It comes to this moment of truth where he's he's getting. Um, he's becoming a close advisor to the king. So he, this, he's, he's rising up the ranks. He's the king's private secretary. He gets knighted in 1521. He's the Speaker of the House of Commons. And then he's made Lord Chancellor of England. So he's basically like the man. I mean, he is, he's reached the highest, height, highest heights. But his political views are what's fa- what this is kind of fascinating in this whole thing. What's fascinating, really, really fascinating in reading this, is his... Um, as a statesman, um, that he wrote a petition for free, free speech, and it came out in 1523. So, this is way before the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, and his petition for free speech is the first recorded argument that has come down defending the political necessity of free speech. Um, in, in, at the time, I just I read that it was it was customary for the for, for the king to punish members of parliament for expressing their their mind, and he fought against that. He because he was the king's advisor would would really strongly um, encourage the king not to punish people for disagreeing with him. Um, and he was a philosopher, so he had reasoned. He came here just not at random that he understood the need for. Um, discussing ideas of great importance, people expressing their opinions on them, but really laid out the groundwork in this petition for free speech in 1523 um, that this was super important, really, really important. Ironically, this is what got him, got, got him killed because he, um, he was a consequential person, so he realized that, hey, this is what I believe. There was a famous quote that he said, we cannot go to heaven in feather beds. 
This is a person who like really, really believed his faith. Like he was very consequent to it. Like he didn't just say it. He did it. And he had everything to lose. I mean, he had everything to lose. When he didn't publicly swear this oath, he was imprisoned. He was sent to the Tower of London. Even one of his daughters came to him and implored him. I believe it's a scene from the Man, about Man for All Seasons where she implored him, Father, you know, say, just say the words, even though we all know that you don't believe them. Does any of this sound familiar? You're being forced to say stuff that you just don't believe to, to placate people? That we have a right to free speech. And he believed this. He lived it. And he died for it. He died for it. He lost his family. He lost his job. He lost his profession. And he did so happily. Because that was what it was to believe in something that you really held. Are you willing to die for it? And he was. And he did. You know, don't lose your head. Um, and that was this moment of truth. He spoke up. And you can read more. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you on your way. There's going to be things that you can read about this heroic man um, that died um, in 1535 in London, in the Tower of London, for speaking up, for believing what he believed. And a lot of people don't know who he is, but I do. And he inspires me because of his, the, 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 the well-rounded education and his wit and his family and his profession. And, but more importantly, his, his, his willingness to speak up and suffer because of it. I think he becomes this great model for us. So a couple things that I'll put links on at the end. One is the link to the movie, uh, A Man for All Seasons, 1966, one best picture. The book Utopia. Um, he wrote, he wrote uh, another book called On the Sadness of Christ, which is his writings in the Tarvel. And I'm reading this now, but it's, it's a little dense in the, in the writing style of the, of the time. It's is, is, is pretty hard to read. Amazing, but a little, little hard to read. Um, and then I'm, I'm going to include a PDF that I've read, which is that the PDF is, the PDF is called Thomas More, a Statesman, a Brief Sketch. And it's about eight pages. It's a PDF. And it comes from a website, which is a treasure trove. It's got images of pictures and writings and summaries. And it's all called thomasmorestudies.org. So that's Thomas, St. Thomas More, my hero, heroic in so many ways, and a model, really a model for us. So, well, you're now, now you're primed on St. Thomas More. You can take it from here. For more information on me, my podcasts, books, and bio, please visit josephmccormack.com. J-O-S-E-P-H-M-C-C-O-R-M-A-C-K.com. All views shared are entirely my personal opinions and do not reflect my business concerns or coworkers' views. If you don't agree with this content, I encourage you to find a podcast that suits you better.